And everybody know the story of David and Goliath, but this is bigger than Trump. This is for the warrior, this is for you and I, this is for euphoria, give me a peace of mind. God is recording this, won't you look in the sky, tell him that you got the behavior of your neighbor, even when stability's never in your favor. Fly with the turbulence, only last a minute, land on your dreams and recognize you live it. Walk through the valley and peaks with bare feet, Whoa. run through the flames, there's more passion for me. Whoa. I'm glad that's the morning just so the world can see, Whoa. I'm better wounds on me, you're watching me look them clean. I know, I know, my pride, my goals, my eyes, my I know, I know, it's my control I know I can prosper, no imposter Prosecute my posture, I stand up and I stand by your way Hello and welcome to the always timely constant of the Comic Suckcast It comes out every single week, yes it does uh, I'm your host Ben Herring and I am joined as always by your president George Pooley Hello uh, Today we are going to be talking about licensed comics, comics that are uh, did not start as comic books, but are from TV series, movies, video games, ba- basically anything else that have then become comics, and the ones that are good, the ones that are less than good, and and why they're interesting. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, yeah, a very unique thing, uh, licensed comic books. Obviously, you mentioned uh, movies, TV shows, video games, uh, but also uh, seemingly toys as well. A lot of toy-based comic books have come out as well, actually. As we might may find out, uh, or we will find out a bit later on, uh, good ones and bad ones, but <laughs> they definitely, definitely have um, appeared in the uh, licensed comic pantheon. Yeah, because <laughs> because you know it's always good to write fiction about toys. Yeah, especially when you're getting paid by a toy company to do it. It worked for Hasbro with Transformers. Yeah, it did, and uh, GI Joe. Yeah, but those aren't the ones that we're going to be focusing on. Well, we will. We'll mention them, but I don't know too much about those ones, but I do know a lot about ROM Space Knight and the Micronauts, which isn't something <laughs> great to know a lot about, but I do know a little bit about them. <laughs> that, that is a, a weird thing to know about. <laughs> yep. Toys ba- uh, comic books based off uh, toys that weren't really that very good in the first place that actually are really good. So, like, look, our toy is terrible. We need something awesome to make people buy it. Yeah, it's like, I uh, I think they have a, a ROM Space Knight in a fab somewhere, but it's like, right, this thing lights up, it's got two points of articulation, its Ooh. arms go up and down, and it has a gun. Let's make 75 issues off this, and it's <laughs> really popular. <laughs> uh, so we should probably start by talking about the history of licensed comics, and, and Marvel's history with that especially. Which Yeah, it's definitely uh, Marvel's history more so um, in the beginning, uh, compared to like, I don't think DC have ever touched a licensed comic, well I'm not going to say they haven't ever touched one, but I couldn't. I really couldn't find an example of one yeah, they've done. Yeah, I can't think of any and I couldn't I couldn't find any either when I was having a look. Which is very strange considering how, you know, their ties with um, obviously being owned by Warner Brothers, how that's worked out, they've never had one. But um Really, Marvel's uh, really started off the whole licensed comic book thing in the uh, Bronze Age comic books, and basically, it sort of started with um, with Conan, really Conan the Barbarian comic books. So which is, about which is one of the series that's got a better reputation. Yeah, better, better reputation, and there's a, like a veritable shit ton of it. There's, there's yeah. more than five hundred issues, like more than five hundred issues um, across different Marvel um, like publish publishing um, houses. So some of the Marvel were uh, like the secondary Marvel ones. And they've done at least, there's two, there's the main Marvel series, which is over 240 issues long. Plus they're all specials for that, which makes up to around 300. Then there's a, like a more like violent, uh, sort of pre-Max style, like um, yeah. Conan the Barbarian series, which also has around 200 issues. Plus then they've sort of re-brought it back more recently with some what-if issues. But yeah, that basically ran from um, 
like the early 70s, all the way up until like 1990, the mid-1990s. Yeah. And that was probably the biggest one that went on for so long. But other than that, that was probably the main one. But then there was the original Star Wars run, which Marvel did, um, which came out uh, at the same time as the film. That's the one that they actually had to start writing and drawing before the films were out, right? Yeah, they, they, they think the, yeah before the film was out, the film was finished, because I think that yeah. was the, uh, what Stan, because Stan wasn't going to, like allow them to do it okay unless it was um the film was finished so that they didn't end up wasting time and making something for a film that's gonna flop <laughs> so which, yeah. i know there are some there are some japanese manga series as well that were done like basically sight unseen like just based on character kind descriptions, of yeah. yeah character descriptions and a couple of like poster designs and they go like super off the rails yeah like really those different. uh like those star wars video games that japan made where uh <laughs> like when defeating darth vader and he turns into a uh, scorpion or something like yeah. really weird ones like that <laughs> but yeah but like once again another really popular series it went on for more than 10 years and had like more than 100 issues so it, it spanned the release of all the other the other two original star wars trilogy films. And, the, and i guess that makes the most sense to be a really popular license because yeah. star wars was like the biggest thing ever yeah. in the like 70s and 80s yeah which is you know it did really well considering that uh, darth vader's like fucking dark green on the front cover <laughs> and like and it, it's got a real like uh, I think the Death Star's like gold or something. It's like really weird coloured because obviously if you drew it grey, it would look a bit weird. Are you sure the Death Star isn't actually blue and black? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> topical. That, that, that joke is outdated already. Yeah. Really, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a great one. Um, obviously, um, with Marvel current series, which we'll talk about a bit later. But um, they re-released the original um first few issues in a new collected edition they recolored them so you look more like the actual films but keeping the same art obviously but just changing the coloring around oh, that's interesting cool. and uh, alex ross did a brand new cover um sticking on the sort of star theme um star trek marvel did 18 issues of a star trek se- um star trek comic book series which started with um an adaptation of a uh, star trek the motion picture it's not the most exciting uh, comic book to no, uh, license release to do. It's not the most exciting film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, the original one. Um, 23 issues. So, so yeah, so that's nearly two that's years d- worth of things. Yeah, that's longer decent. than the series, last, yeah, series lasted. Because so. the original series is like one season and then a mini series and then it came back as a, like a sub, like half series. Yeah. So it really didn't go that long. And that's drawn by Walt Simonson of um, Thor fame. So, like, they actually put like a good. Artist behind that. Yeah. Um, then we had Logan's Run, uh, another classic science yeah. fiction film. Uh, seven issues for that. <laughs> um, Indiana Jones. Marvel did 34 issues of Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's another one that makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's like a huge franchise. As well as uh, they did Doctor Who series uh, with Tom Baker as the Doctor. Um, as, as, as Doctor m- Who. As Mr. Yeah. Mr. Who. As Mr. Who. Um, and a Planet of the Apes series <laughs> as well, which uh, Marvel this kind of were ripping off at people the same get, time. People often get confused about Doctor Who. He's not actually a Doctor. He's uh, a man called Doctor, whose surname is Who. Yeah. So, uh, um, as so, we can, you know, um, as Peter Cushing taught us. Yeah. yeah. So, so we can all refer to him as Mr. Who for the most <laughs> part. <laughs> uh, yeah, and another space-themed one, which is uh, notable, um, 2001, uh, Space Odyssey. They did a 10-issue uh, ten, ten adaptation of that. The first yeah. two issues, the ones are actually adapt the uh, film and the book. And that was done by Jack Kirby. So, you know, and it's uh, really weird. Yeah, really like, weird. So, uh, so obviously, they saw um, 2001, you know, a really uh, well-designed film, which is very minimalist. It, it's Yeah, it's lots of clean lines, well, especially the the ship and and the like earth space technology is all very clean 
and very white and like a bit of 60s weirdness in there but mostly like clean and white and simple yeah and then Jack Kirby is known for like bright colors and yeah and dots space and space becomes and... fucking purple yeah. all of a sudden and yeah and crackles everywhere and and there's so much detail and it's crazy but that was um but that was a story that was a uh, 10 issue series that he both drew and wrote so yeah. past the um actual um first two issues with the which were the covering the film they start to go into all these other stories about how the alien uh, how the um obviously the uh, the alien behind the monolith sort of influenced other things so there's a I think the third issue is about a um like a caveman. It covers more like the caveman sort of bit. Yeah. So he becomes like this caveman becomes really clever and starts becoming like a warrior and stuff. But also notable is the introduction of Machine Man. Yeah, which if you listen to the uh, the non-canon issues episode, we talked about Machine Man in relation to FX. Yeah, and uh, and he's sort of a character who's um who's a robot, but he's given sentience by the monolith. But the interesting thing about that is that he's actually part of Marvel canon. Yeah. As opposed to being like, oh, this is a licensed comic, this has nothing to do with it. He's he's a genuine Marvel character who's appeared in plenty of series. Yeah, he's, he's an Avenger. They've, so. they've retconned his history a bit, but, yeah. it's, but it's still pretty similar. Uh, and his character is pretty much still the same. Yeah. And then they've even, even in RFX, uh, as I just checked a bit a uh, minute ago um, in the book, um, within the plot, the Watcher calls. Uh, machine man up to him using a monolith and he goes through one of the uh like the weird um trippy space yeah it's like thing. a stargate like sequence it's it's not you know a hundred pages long or anything but no but it's yeah it's, <laughs> it's like, like four it's panels still, it's still part of the actual marvel canon which is really surprising they actually did this so they actually took it marvel took it really seriously which is something you can see with rom space knight which is probably one of the most weirdly beloved and <laughs> like uh on these series that people just like people of the time just remember like uh james gunn director of uh, guardians of the galaxy was mentioning that he really wanted to include rom space knight in guardians of the galaxy but they weren't completely sure about all the um the copyright issues but you know again the toy manufacturer that made rom space knight uh yeah he's so he's really popular nowadays Rom. Okay. so uh <laughs> don't see why they wouldn't give it. yeah so obviously I, it might be a thing him where one. like the company that originally gave them the license doesn't exist anymore yeah. so it gets really difficult to find who you're supposed to pay but then again i I think i may have heard they might actually be trying to get him in like as a cameo role uh, in the next that, that would be really cool. cool and he works and he's worked in really well within the marvel universe it's quite a it's sort of like a space opera story but later on in his series he he has to uh defend his home world from galactus so it actually turns into like having a real um like real really into marvel lore and he's a character that hasn't really been, I think, he hasn't really been mentioned of late, obviously because I think the copyright lapsed. But he's definitely part of the Marvel universe, and so so are the Micronauts, like these <laughs> were these really weird, uh, small like action figure type things, which came out in the uh, late seventies and the eighties, and um, and they had an X Men crossover, like <laughs> so these things all were part of Marvel canon, even if they're sort of forgotten nowadays due to copyright issues. But they're all like Marvel didn't just like go, oh, it's going to do a crappy. Um, you know, a crappy licensed comic book. They actually built it into their own canon, which is which quite is, interesting. Which is interesting because one of the complaints about licensed comics is that they're non-canon within their own universes, and so none of it feels significant or meaningful. But but clearly, even though they weren't like, you might not have to take uh, like what two thousand and one comics did seriously in the universe of two thousand and one. 
it's still taken seriously within the Marvel universe. Yeah, which, which is really interesting and not something that I think any other comics publisher has ever really done. Yeah, which is yeah, it's it's really weird. And then and just to like add one more that sort of worked into um Marvel continuity is the Godzilla comic books they did. That Godzilla yeah. Godzilla fighting um Giant Man and stuff like that. Like it's <laughs> Which is also the weird one, which you can actually, is the only one I think I've mentioned so far, except for Star Wars, you can actually still collect in a, um, Marvel done one of those big Essentials books, you know, one they do in black and white. Oh, cool. So that you can actually buy those ones. Uh, I think it's called Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's the actual title of it. But yeah, but it has Godzilla fighting the Avengers, so fairly interesting, even if it's, uh, I'm not completely sure if it's any good, but you can definitely buy it. <laughs> That's not a, a glowing recommendation, but it, you know. But, you know, if you're into Godzilla, and uh, I, I promise you it has no wide necks in it, so if, you're, <laughs> if you hate Aaron Taylor Johnson, you you probably like this it's, one. It's not... Ar- <laughs> Poor Aaron Taylor Johnson. He didn't do anything wrong. No, it's probably Brian Cranston's fault. I, I, well, I feel inclined to blame Gareth Edwards, but I really liked... Um, just called Monsters, the yeah, film Monsters, that he did before yeah. that. That's a really cool, really low budget monster film. Sorry, that's super yeah. off topic, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like some weird connectivity, yeah, the, uh, into the series. And Marvel did put in a lot of effort into it, which is strange because you'd, be, you'd think they wouldn't. I guess it's like that's when they were were kind of really establishing themselves, and it's. Things that are guaranteed to... I mean, I know they were already really big well, from the people, 60s. Well, the, so, well, the Bronze Age was when yeah. they did their massive expansion period. Yeah. Like, uh, that was when they started... Well, obviously, we've, we've had the actual proper license coming, but then we had... We've got, like, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. You know, these are these basically are licensed characters. These are basically Shaft and Bruce Lee. Yeah. Without having getting a license. So it was like... It's, yeah, it's there. We're, we're going to become huge. And, yeah. and And the Marvel Empire building, I guess... It's it's worth like if you can put out a comic fairly cheaply, it's worth doing. Going well, we'll try and make it good because if it's a franchise that's already popular, and then we make it good, that's going to be a really big seller. Yeah, and that was um, interesting. You said that because um, part of the story behind Star Wars comic book why it's quite interesting. It was uh, Marvel used it to test um, whether or not they could increase the price of the comic books. <laughs> so they were like, uh, oh, so there's there's. Um, some quite rare variant covers out there. Um, obviously, they tried variant covers for the first time, where they sold them for a bit, bit more expensive in I think it's four different states. And then, because obviously they sold really well there, despite the price increase, they were like, "Yep, fuck it, we're going to increase prices." So, you probably blame that on the uh, expensive comic book prices nowadays. Well, not too expensive, but I think that sort of rounds off the Marvel side of it. I yeah, don't think there's anything really to bring up there. But this was the, but basically the Bronze Age was the golden age of licensed comic books for Marvel and probably licensed comics in general because. Basically, once um, the license, the copyrights um, that Marvel held started to end, it's basically when the other companies started coming in. So yeah, Dark Horse. Dark Horse are, are still the biggest, like, do the most licensed comics, I would say. Uh, I mean, there are definitely other companies. IDW do a few. And uh, uh, Boom do a few. Yeah. I think Dynamite do a few of the weirder licenses, like uh, Vampirella. And, uh, yeah. Or Vamp- Is it Vampirella or Vampira? I'm not sure. I think one of them was in Edward, so I'm not going to count one. Uh, Vampira is the one from Edward. Okay, so it's Vampirella then, yeah. That took me too long to think about that. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's... I think Dark Horse started doing that late 80s with, with like, Terminator comics, Robocop comics, uh, a lot of, like, 
comics based off uh, darker sci-fi action series. Yeah. We're, we're, we're at the same time where, uh, like, uh, children's cartoons are based off super violent films anyway, so... Yeah, Robocop cartoons. Yeah. Is, that's just the weirdest thing yeah, to exist. <laughs> but... Yeah. And, and it's also the period where where I think licensed comics became, like, lost any respect that anybody had for them. Like, I don't know that they were ever seen as, oh, licensed comics are always great because licensed anything can be seen as a cash-in. But yeah. But I think, yeah, definitely, definitely sort of it seems shit-bombed like, itself really quickly during this period. Yeah, it's the period where a lot of, like, sci-fi series would just go, oh, well, we can do a comic really cheap and put no effort into it and, yeah. and people will buy it. And it's... The period also where people would buy comics as collector's items, thinking yeah. that they would always increase in value. So yeah. people would buy the shit comics based on, oh, X-Files is really popular, so who cares if the X-Files comic is terrible? Yeah, they're, it would be, comics be and they'll be a collector's a item. Yeah. yeah. That's not true. Yeah, no. You know, uh, supply and demand. Are there any comics from the 90s that are worth that much? Like... <laughs> Not even like, not even like the big ones, like uh, like big important ones. Like uh, they... I don't doubt any of the Nightfall issues are worth anything. Definitely, yeah. the Death of Superman's not worth anything. If even if it's in the bag and you've still got the uh, the black art, yeah, like, like... Th- like Spawn isn't worth anything. Yeah, because yeah. they because they printed too many. It's... Yeah, like when you sell eight million copies or something, like uh, X Men number one, the uh, Jim Lee and uh, Chris Claremont one. Yeah, you're going to be able to get, and you do like. 40 different variant covers like it's going to worth like two quid in like 20 years which <laughs> you can buy it for now like yeah but then again let's we'll go <laughs> jump back on topic about uh about uh licensed comics well to... I, but i think that's why licensed comics became like like the ghetto of comics for yeah. quite a while well, it's, well, it's... and, and there, there are good ones and and robocop is the big one that yeah. frank miller wrote some great robocop comics yeah great um well, yeah, we'll get to my recommendations later. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but Terminator versus Robocop, great, great read. Um, well, there was the, there were some truly good like licensed comics in the period in that period though. So like Alien versus Predator. Yes, which is Alien versus Predator as an idea started in comics. Yeah. Um, because people at Dark Horse had licenses for both of those franchises, and and were just like brainstorming ideas, and we should just put them together. Which well, is like Predator then was dead gone. In the water by that point, wasn't it? As a franchise, like yeah, the, the the second Predator film did fine, but not well enough for them to be like, Alien oh, this is going to be a one. huge franchise. Mm-hmm. And it's Alien was on the way out. Alien Four was going to. Yeah, was, well, I'm, I'm not try- sure when. Uh, I can't remember when Alien Four came out, but then it was definitely. When when did Alien Three come out? Was it? It was early nineties, I think. Yeah, so it must be. I think Alien nineties. Alien Four. Came Alien out. versus Predator is. Uh, yeah, Resurrection came out like ninety seven, I think. Yeah, okay. So, but but AVP was nineteen ninety that Dark Horse started publishing that. So it's possibly even before Alien Three. So it's two franchises yeah. that were when not nearly as as huge as they're considered today, mm. and and they're considered like this unified world, which is entirely because of Dark Quite Horse, books, yeah. like putting them together and doing much better stories than either of the AVP films have done. Yeah. Well, you know, you're probably setting it in space is a good start. Yeah. Which is sort of an issue with the uh, AVP films if you've been unlucky enough to see them. And, and being able and much more willing to, to not try and focus on humans nearly yeah. as much. Which is also the um, 
the other thing we have to say about uh, licensed comic books is a uh, as a continuation story is why they're brilliant is because there's an uh, unlimited budget in a comic book. Yeah, and I mean it can it can be damaging because people can lose a sense of reality, which we'll come to in a little bit. Yeah, but but, but when but when it's with a science fiction like epic yeah. story like uh, Alien vs Predator, you can pretty much do what you want and you can do you can do crazy like uh, it allows you to go. Oh, this idea is awesome. Let's just do it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Alien vs Predator, good op- a good choice of a licensed comic book alongside Robocop in the period and uh, Terminator comic books as well. Yeah, there are, and there are definitely some, and uh, those are the the big three Dark Horse ones that I can from the think beginning. Of. Yeah, uh, Dark Horse. Yeah. Um, but like there were other TV series. X Files is is the big one that had long running terrible comics, but there were other TV and sci fi franchises that just had terrible comics. I think. I think it was a Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure uh, comic book. <laughs> At some point, Dark Horse got the the Star Wars comics license. Yeah, I think Which, that was uh, during Mar- the nineties. Mar- Marvel's license with it ended in nineteen eighty in nineteen eighty six. Uh, yeah, I think it was nineteen eighty six. Yeah, because it was it was uh, just under. Yeah, yeah. I say nineteen eighty six. I'm going to say that. And there are runs of of the Star Wars comic within Dark Horse that have have got a fairly good reputation, but as a whole, they're not. They're not. They're, they're not super well respected. No, it's because I don't know. Just people. Just is there's a. It's really easy to dismiss them. Basically, it's like oh, they're not the films. They're not really worth reading. It's basically the mentality that licensed comic books had at this period, and they pretty much had for ages, really. Yeah, uh, and and I think it's like it fed back into itself as people didn't take them seriously, but then neither did the creators. So why would people? Yeah, which which meant that the companies never put creators that were going to take them seriously and and put a lot of effort into them because they had the view that people won't take them seriously no matter what. So yeah, it became it a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy of, like, licensed comics are shit because everyone thinks licensed comics are shit. Yeah, which is uh, perhaps where the Buffy comic book was coming in and sort of solving that. Yeah, which is, um, like, and they certainly had a period while the show was still on TV of also having some pretty terrible licensed comics. Yeah, I've seen the, some of the really it did some like really Tales sort of, of like, the Slayer. Yeah, like sort of crap ones like that. But but they also have Frey, which is really interesting as a like it's licensed within the Buffy universe, but is a completely original story with original characters that's set in the future of the Buffy universe. Okay. And then when the the show ended, uh, Joss because. Uh, a massive comics fan, it just for a while had been trying to get. I think you're speculating a bit too much, though, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> what that Joss Whedon's a massive comic book. I don't book think he fan. likes comic books. I don't know where he got this. From. <laughs> yeah, he didn't write the forward to Earth X or, or direct the Avengers or, or write Astonishing X Men. Yeah, I'm not even sure he knows what a comic book or, is. Or write Runaways or. <laughs> <laughs> um, but pushed for both Buffy and Angel to get like comic renewals, and Angel had. A licensed thing with IDW that I've never read that was that was apparently quite good after the Angel ending, but the big push was actually calling, but the Dark Horse Buffy series season eight and, yeah, and it viewing was... it as like absolutely the same canon and a continuation of the show. Like a couple of years after it left off, because it took them a while from I think it's the show ended in two thousand and three and the yeah, comics it... didn't start until like two thousand and eight, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's like I think that's why Maybe no one, no, later, no, one no one ever takes like the Star Wars issues can like Star Wars comic books can because it's not like like George Lucas has never said oh I kind of like these he's just like yeah. he's just sitting in his like ivory tower 
like counting his money. Whereas like Joss Whedon's like you really pushed for it and was like this is canon. Yeah, this is part of the story. Like it, yeah, it lends it's a lot. Just, of... Well, obviously Buffy and like Star Wars are different. Like like Buffy obviously ended, but then well, sort of, well Star Wars has ended twice basically. But, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it was like it was. It seemed like it was a smaller universe. It was more focused. Yeah, and it was like. Perhaps there wasn't as much of a an ability to keep going with stories or like look at people in the background type thing. I don't know, but like, but it was definitely Joss pushing pushing it. That yeah, it, the, it, it helps so when like the creator and and like the guy that everybody calls the genius behind Buffy, like yeah. <laughs> like is going. This is the real thing, and like didn't write every issue, but did treat it like a season of a show that he was showrunning, especially season eight. And and came up with the like story arc for the entire season and wrote more of it than he has done since to kind of lend that credibility to it to get it yeah. off the ground. Uh, and it's not like it was really successful at first, and then I think a lot of people that hadn't read comics otherwise struggled with it. And uh, as we were talking about before, because it's got an unlimited budget, did a lot of like there are. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil season seven, but because of stuff that happens in season seven, there are a bunch of characters. So it's following lots of people. Uh, lots of people get more powerful or have like huge things happen to them, and then there are like battles with with god type beings yeah. that are across huge huge battlefields. Rather than they've had god type beings in Buffy, but they're like but they're just one on one yeah, fights as opposed to giant like epic. Obviously, yeah. What we can do with an unlimited budget, basically. I really like it because it's just going. We're doing this. Let's go balls out with it and see what we can do. But I understand why it lost people because it lost the kind of core character dynamics for a while, and then yeah. they they seem to now having they're in the middle of season ten, so finished season eight and nine, bringing more of like other characters. They did an Angel and Faith series that was really good during season nine. Um, and and have found the balance of like oh we can do bigger stuff because we're not limited by the budget because an artist can draw a giant battle just as easily as like a, a room yeah. with people talking in it yeah um but going but we still need to think about what the show was and what made the show special and and keep that as the core of it but then we're not restrained by budget and and that's led to like angel stuff coming into the dark horse universe and also there's been like Serenity books that are set, yeah, uh, which uh, which are all mostly which which are canon as well, except for I think the Shepherd book story is a bit confusing. I haven't read that one yet, but it, isn't it? It's a bit contradictory, isn't it, it? It's considered canon, but there's some bits of it that are a bit plot. It's a good book. It's just a little bit plot holy. So the first yeah. two, it's uh, Left Behind and Better Days, are two like three issue miniseries. They're yeah. basically just act as like an episode or a two parter from the series in between the point where the series ends and when the movie is. Yeah, well, Better, Better Days seems like it really was designed as an episode and then put yeah. into a... Yeah, I think Yeah, I think yeah. the second volume, the first volume is really short. The second volume is a lot, like, is about double the size, which is really good. Yeah. Um, and it's got two or three stories, which... Uh, uh, Better Days is um, it's just a, it's like a regular episode. Then there's one which covers the... Um, like Wash's backstory, yes. and there's one that covers. Oh, there's one that's like a short 
like it seems like a section of episodes where they, they sort of get stuck on an ice planet <laughs> and they're all sort of just sitting around doing stuff and uh, Jane has a an STD, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Forgot but, that. I haven't read them since like they came out in trade. Uh, I was flicking through them before. Yeah. I'm like, they should reread these. Yeah, yeah, but Better Days is really, really good. That's a really good story. And then they've since done like the the Leaf on the Wind ongoing. Uh, yeah, which is uh, the, the events definitely after the film. Yeah. I've yet to read, but it looks pretty good. Yeah, I've been meaning to because the first couple of trades of that are out now, aren't they? Yeah, it's they've done four volumes yeah. so far, and they're going to kind of keeping on doing Serenity. And they've done an ongoing Dollhouse series, so like all of Joss's universes yeah. now have ongoing like comic series that are all pretty positively regarded, and yeah. have like writers from the show st- writing issues, or like Nicholas Brendan has been writing some of the most recent. Buffy issues, which are actually like really good lighter ones that focus yeah. on on Xander and like the the hole that his life is in at this point, yeah. because because Xander can never be happy for too long. Damn it! Poor he's still Xander. he's still doing better than he was in season four. Is everyone butt monkey? <laughs> yeah. Poor Xander. Uh, but yeah, obviously that so that was in so that was in the. Uh, so um, in the noughties, so that was last decade, and that was pretty. That was a better and time for better time for licensed comic books. That seems like one of the big things that has changed licensed comics, and it's it's interesting actually. Though I've I found a thing uh, that uh, who was it? Oh yeah, I looked at that article as well. Yeah, this one. Uh, Eric Stevenson from Image kind of uh, slated licensed comics, uh, which is which is interesting because a lot of it doesn't seem accurate anymore. Um, like there are definitely licensed comics that are cash-ins and like almost every video game that comes out now has at least a mini-series in comics yeah which is uh, quite a lot of them are terrible like and some of them just have like um like quite weak like um I'd say like one of the weakest uh, licensed comics I've read was uh, the Heroes comic book mostly because it was sort of anthology yeah so like half the stories were about characters that were really insignificant and really weren't weren't worth telling stories about but the bits that were good were actually pretty good. But it just didn't focus on what people really wanted it to be focused on. Like there was only really like of all the really interesting characters, like That's Tyler, all... there like there barely any stories. It's about all him. Tim Sale artwork, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it, no. All the covers are. T- well, the is covers, it just the covers? It's covers yeah. And it's not. It's not all the artwork. So it didn't completely um complete the image of um Isaac Mendes is like. Uh, Do you remember artwork. who wrote them? No, I can't remember. I, it, I haven't actually read it since the series was That's, since I actually yeah. bought it since because they did two volumes of them and I've got both of them. I haven't read it since it actually came out. I yeah, that well, seems fair enough. Yeah, so it's like there's no there's no reason to. I I'm a little bit obsessed with heroes because it upsets me at like unfulfilled potential. Uh, like, so I think I was too young when I watched it all, <laughs> so like I just like really enjoyed all of it. And I think like whenever it mentions it, kind of went shit. I'm like, oh, it did. Fuck. I, I have, didn't really realise that. So. I have like eight pages of cramped, tiny handwriting at the front of a notebook uh, of like Can't problems out, yeah. with heroes and trying to like get to the core of like, yeah. how it could have been better and what went wrong. And it just, it, it bugged me for so long. Well, always my favourite uh, like uh, pet peeve about that uh, series was when um, they, they're all being hunted by the uh, by the government or whatever. And rather than form a super they team... They never form the X-Men. Yeah, rather than form a team, they're all like, right, we're going to split up and get even more easily captured. It's, that was that was very frustrating because that, that season started off really strong yeah. and then went nowhere. Yeah, it had like the potential to be the best one. And it was like, yep. <laughs> right, we've all, we've all uh, 
We're all in a bad position. Right, I'm going to go back to Japan. See you later. It, di- it didn't help that, yeah, they hit the reset button like every season. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, uh, HRG is going back to being a bad guy weirdo, and yeah. hunting people. Like, and and ha- having a bad relationship with Claire again. It's just, <laughs> damn it, Tim Kring. <laughs> you tried your best, but... Aren't, aren't they bringing it back? Yeah, you're doing with... Heroes Reborn. Mm. We'll see is, how that... Which, is, which has got a... Uh, Horn room glasses in it, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, I, no, I, no, I will probably watch it. Doesn't seem like any of the real original cast is turning up again. Like, I don't think Hayden Panettiere is going to be in it. What, like, Zachary really? Quinto's not going to be in it. What does like Milo Ventimiglia yeah, might be in it? Yeah, what does Milo Ventimiglia have to do? Nothing. <laughs> like, he's just sitting around being like, is he still going out with Hayden Panettiere? No, of course not. They're not on the show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he only goes out with his co-stars on shows. Uh, he went out with Alexis Bledel while he was on Gilmore Girls huh. with her, and there's another show that he did. Like he goes out with his co-stars every single time. It's really weird. Yeah, he went out with uh, Sylvester Sloan on the set of Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> I love the logic for his casting. It's just that they have the same like uh, birth Slurring, yeah. defect thing that creates one half of their face not working properly. Yeah. So they have the same like slurred thing. To be honest, he was he was quite good in that film. Rocky that, that Balboa good, is yeah. underrated. Yeah. It's a really good Rocky film. <laughs> you say like that's it's a really good Rocky film, but then there's like yeah, but I, still like this. There is only one Rocky film that I consider bad. Yeah, which, you can guess which one. Yeah, it's the one where he's not a boxer. It's the one that Story defends for some reason. Fucking Story. But while while impugning and his, and his love of the Doctor Who, <laughs> while impugning the good name of Rocky Four, which is great. It just it just zips along. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's what just a bastard. It's just like. Montages and punching. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we have to break him. <laughs> uh, yeah, like um, I was thinking about other licensed series that I've read. The, there was a like I, I know they've done quite a few Halo series, but I think the first one or one of the first ones was Halo Uprising that uh, yeah Bendis and uh, Malieve did the artwork for. Yeah, and it's. Really pretty and entirely inconsequential. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's the case, like, the actual first volume of Halo comic books that Marvel did was another anthology series, and the only yeah. story that seemed to be, like, mildly interesting was um, one about um, member Shipmaster, the guy who has half his face missing. Yep. It was basically his first encounter with the Flood and how he lost his half that half his face, basically. Okay. Which was kind of interesting because it had, um, like, sword fights, like, like, two-handed, like, energy sword fights, which is, like... But again, it was just um, an anthology book and it just wasn't that great. So, just inconsequential and about none of the characters you want to actually hear anything about. But there does seem to be a boom of, like, um, Adventure Time is a really big one that's, like, really cool and captures the spirit of the show, but also seems to let artists and writers, yeah. like, have fun and be creative with it. Oh, well, yeah. Well, actually, we did say earlier that DC don't do, like, don't do any um like licensed comic book, but they do they do a lot of their car- of Cartoon Network series. Like there's loads of based off that. There's like uh, I'm pretty sure it was is regular show Cartoon Network or is that Disney? I'm getting I get uh regular show is Cartoon Network. Is that DC though? Is that... Well, no, because because uh, Cartoon Network is a subsidiary of uh, Warner Brothers. Oh, okay. So, um, but I thought they had, were published under a different name. Um, Adventure Time they, and well, okay, regular maybe, maybe, show. Or... Um, well, definitely they do they do Teen Titans Go, which yeah. is uh, which is. It's still a licensed thing, even if it is it's, based off. DC. It's really that's a really weird like folding back in on itself thing. Where it's yeah, like, we made a cartoon based on the DC universe, and then we're doing a comic based on the cartoon. 
Yeah. Like, like they've Which done they with Batman like, Beyond comics yeah, as Batman well. Yeah, Beyond, and um, they did Young Justice, another great series. Um, but where the Batman they did for a bit. They also did um, Batman the Animated Series things, um, Superman Animated Series, Justice League ones. So basically all their... Uh, Basically, um, all their like major superhero um, cartoons have all gotten a um, a comic book treatment. It's mostly like you get your Saturday morning, like um, they I think and I think uh, they used to they were definitely used to uh, republish them for um, British news agents. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing that uh, I think both Marvel and DC still do a bit, but they definitely used to do a lot more of yeah. the, the republishing like. Collecting three issues. I think they don't. They do. They do fewer uh, versions of them, but they definitely do. Um, I think they 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 um, bring them all together a bit more. So they do yeah. Avengers one, but it will include like um, Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man stories plus an main Avengers book as well. Because most of the X Men comics that I've got have, have been through reading the like yeah. essential X Men collected three yeah, yeah. issues. I think it's Kaboom Comics that put out all the. Uh, all the Adventure Time and regular show things. Yeah. I can't find out whether it's, like, how it's run through, whether it's counted as a subsidiary of DC or if it's separate. Mark Wade is, was apparently the editor-in-chief, at ah. least in 2007. Oh. Sorry, this is a, a tangent about that. But those, but yeah, those, all of those Cartoon Network comics all seem to be, like, really good, really well-respected. Like yeah. Of, well, it works quite well with the actual formatting of the show as well, because most of them are all like eleven-minute shows, so you can do yeah. a really good. Like in the comic book, it's supposed to take like an individual issue, is supposed to take ten minutes to read. So you basically got the same sort of yeah plot format. And they actually it. seem to do like more ongoing stuff, at least with Adventure Time. That's the one I've read the most of. Did more ongoing stuff than the show does, which the show will occasionally do like ongoing stuff that will go across a few episodes, but. They, they actually many. have like arcs in the comic, yeah, and, and then have like a, a smaller like couple of page, couple of yeah, couple of pages, or even just like a strip at the back that's a one-off thing. Okay, yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, because we're on the uh, subject of um current um current licensed comic books, I uh, I mentioned a quite a good one that I'm currently reading, um, Escape from New York, um, obviously based off the John Carpenter film, the same name. Um, the licensed comic book follows. The the events directly after um, the film Escape from New York. So basically what happened after Snake Plissken um, ripped up that uh, tape with all the uh, nuclear codes on it. So basically it's him being chased by the government and he goes to Florida basically. Because that <laughs> Florida has um, sectioned itself off from the rest of the United States and it's ruled by uh, two crazy kids and uh, they're mental and it's basically Snake Plissken beating the shit out of people <laughs> and uh, smoking and, and uh, everyone's saying Hey, Mr. Pliskin, he goes, call me Snake. That's basically all he does. It's pretty good. It's Yeah, it seems to be, like, there does seem to be a boom of licensed comics and a, a much more concerted effort to capture characters and yeah. universes. Like the uh, Big Trouble in Little China, another yeah. John Carpenter film that's um, done by um, by uh, the same the same um, series. But, like, uh, yeah, that's tried. That's really well. I've had the first few issues of that, and that, that's captured, like, Jack Burton really well. Like, the way he talked and stuff was really well done. And there was the um, Tomb Raider comics that Gail Simone was uh, writing. I think she's still writing those that that were really good. And yeah. the uh, Gail Simone's Red Sonja comics, I haven't read any of, but I would expect to be really good because yeah. Gail Simone's writing them. Mm. Um, a little bit before this, kind of during the same point that licensed comics were coming back, and I think 
Buffy is the big like thing that got lots of people involved. But Marvel were doing a couple of Stephen King licensed things. Yeah, they did the stand, which was just going through the book. So I ended up like stopping with it because I'm like, I know this story. Yeah, but the Dark Tower one, the first volume of it goes over something that did happen in the Dark Tower books, but the nature of those books is like a cyclical nature of time, and there's something that it's, it's a weird bit at the end that Stephen King tells you not to read because it'll piss you off. <laughs> like like the, the epilogue to the books, it, he, he write, writes like a couple of pages about, this is how the story has to end, because it's like what the story is in my head, but stop reading now, because like 90% of you will be annoyed by what this <laughs> ending is. And and then oh, like Steven. the whole world kind of resets, uh, but, and but there's like one minor change that gives it a chance that this time it may not reset and oh, maybe okay. different. And the Dark Tower comics follow that path. Okay, that's but but stick with a young Roland and his like life in his weird weird world rather than the kind of universe hopping and people from different universes. So a good one that, that builds on books. top of something an established canon. Yeah, or well, no, we'll obviously. Well, sort of, yeah, established can, but like builds on top of something that um, is actually part of the um, license itself. Yeah, and I don't like. I don't think Stephen King is as involved as uh, Joss is, but certainly has was involved heavily at the start. And his assistant, who is also the person that like keeps track of all the continuity in the Dark Tower universe, Robin Fitch is like kind of head. Uh, not head writer, but like executive producer of the okay, series that yeah. makes sure it's all like in, in line with the continuity. Good, yeah. Which uh, I've been meaning to cut, like, because I stopped reading it a while ago just because I couldn't afford to keep buying so many comics. Yeah, I've been meaning to catch up with the volumes of it. I read about four volumes and it oh, okay. was really yeah. enjoying it. It was quite long running then. Yeah, I don't know if I don't think it's still going, but but went for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. so that's pretty good. Well, yeah, well. Well, that was Marvel, so we might as well talk about the um, the current big yeah. Marvel licensed comic book, um, the return of Star Wars to Marvel um, through Disney. <laughs> yeah, through Disney, basically, and um, and they've got three three titles currently: um, Star Wars, Star Wars, <laughs> uh, Star Wars, Darth Vader, and Star Wars Princess Leia, with a fourth title coming out in April. Um, oh, too many. Kanan, the Last Padawan. Okay, which is covering the backstory of um, Kanan, the uh, the main Jedi character from Star Wars Rebels, which is actually going to be quite good, actually, considering what um, uh, what we sort of know already about his backstory <laughs> um, and how he survived Order sixty six, which is going to be quite interesting. And then what he's done since that period, so sort of how he's um, hidden his Jedi past and how he how he may have been a massive coward at the time <laughs> and uh, like kind of legged it to save his own life, basically. Which would be quite interesting to see, and how maybe they'll work into his redemption as the series goes along. Disney seemed to be doing a good job after like upsetting me with their uh, all extended universe is no longer canon. Yeah. Uh, they seem to be doing a good job of establishing what the like universe is and and building it out without it going out of control. Yeah, and the like. I've completely blanked on what's he called that's writing. Uh, Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron, who's uh, like. Just, I've been reading loads of Jason Aaron stuff at the moment, and it's all really good. Yeah. Scalped, uh, Southern Bastards. Uh, what's the uh, other Marvel book that is it Thor? Yeah, yes. Which I know some people aren't happy with because we still haven't really found out the identity of who. Thor 
Boris, but I've been enjoying it. Yeah. But it's I think one of the great things about how it's being written so far is it's um all the issues all the free um issues are out so far. Um sorry, the three different titles are out, they all seem to interlink with one another. Yeah. So Star Wars, um, the main book, um, is following Luke Hanalea, Chewie, three PO and um R D two, uh basically attacking a um, an Empire like weapons factory. And the Darth Vader comic book is talking about is currently doing the aftermath after that that attack on the weapons factory and like invader and the kind of failure to prevent it. Yeah, and that's what Darth Vader's basically. He's um and he's currently trying to hire bounty hunters to track down Luke Skywalker. And after their encounter been, in the the battle over the Death yeah, Star, yeah, and he's and he's been uh, reprimanded by the Emperor, and he's been basically been like uh, knocked down some positions, and he's now uh, working under other Imperial officers. He's, he's basically kind of being treated as an enforcer rather than as the right hand man of the Emperor. Yeah, and obviously, um, for him to get to the right-hand-man position that he was in um, Empire Strikes Back, that's what we're going to see over the series, which is quite interesting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but currently, series is good. Um, Princess Leia is currently covering um, after the I destruction. Of, yet. There's only been one issue, but after the destruction of Old Run, um, she's basically gone like, oh shit, there's like none of us left. And uh, the Empire is dead. Yeah, and, <laughs> uh, and the Empire is basically um, trying to hunt down anyone from Old Run. And she's like, "Well, we need to go save these people from Old Run." And she's and she's gotten a a female X-wing pilot to come and help her on this mission to go find. Um... There were no female X-wing pilots. Don't be silly. There is now. <laughs> no, that's that's really cool to to be like. Uh, th- those films were made in the seventies, but we want the universe to actually be yeah, more diverse. Than... Yeah, and and that's pretty cool. And it's good. And it seems like it's going to be a good um a good story so far. Like she's yeah. got to go save her people, bring them back to the rebellion and stuff, and. Yeah, it's certainly the the Star Wars and Darth Vader books have both been really good. So I'd imagine the Princess Leia one is too. Yeah, I am looking forward to the Kanan one, um, obviously because I've watched Rebels so far. But you should watch Rebels, everyone out there. It's it's a lot of fun. Oh, and after slagging off the '90s X Files comics, I should say that I've heard nothing but good things about the current X Files comics and the like potential rumors of of X Files coming back in some form. Yeah, hopefully a mini series and not another movie. So Ben, what would you recommend as uh, as a great licensed comic book if you're going to start anywhere? It depends on your interest in the the licenses. I think the Star Wars books are really good, and like most people that are interested in comics anyway, are probably at least like Star Wars, if not yeah. massive fans of it. Uh, if you liked Buffy, the Buffy series are awesome, but it's a harder sell. On like you have to have had the uh, the. S- seven seasons of a uh, pre-knowledge don't you basically yeah i mean you could certainly catch up but i i don't know why you would be reading buffy if you're not a buffy yeah. fan that's kind of, like yeah weird. it's a it's a weird thing because i think it's worth reading either way but i don't i don't imagine people that aren't buffy fans reading it but if you are a buffy fan and just haven't read the comics they're absolutely worth reading and uh fray is also a, like a really good one-off yeah you should check out the trade of that's really cool um don't know about other licenses that i would absolutely recommend there are definitely good uh terminator ones wait well that would be my my recommendation have to be um as a just a single volume of something that's quite fun um robocop versus terminator by um frank miller and walt simonson it's just a really quite well done story like um 
and it actually melds the two franchises really well together. Basically, yeah. um, talk about the plot a little bit. It's basically um, humans win the war. Um, okay. But then they send back, then they turn, send back a Terminator. It fucks all the timeline up. Humans lose. But then they realize that the best way to win now is to go back and kill Robocop. Because Robocop is the basis of what they use to create Cyberdyne, um, okay. Cyberdyne technology and Skynet and stuff. So he's basically, <laughs> so basically Alex Murphy he's Robocop the is, is the pro- prototype Terminator. And they're like, right, we're going to kill him. And uh, they send back a uh, one of the uh, rebel warriors and she kills him. And then, then basically, it's basically a lot of time travel jumping. So like every time Skynet loses, they, they send back in time and they fix it basically. So they win. So there's loads <laughs> of different, they keep sending people back. And so maybe they should just destroy the time travel technology. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Do it then. Destroy. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like they do that, and there's loads of different uh, time jumping. Like you see, Termin- you see, Terminator ends up in the future in the end. And it's like and there's a giant Terminator army. It's uh, sorry, giant, uh, giant like massive epic battles and stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just seeing um, Robocop kill like Terminator dogs, Terminator. They send Terminator children as well, and they've got like uh, really freaky. And he's just like, nope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's just it's a great series. It's only four issues long. Um, it's, they've done a collected edition of it, and that's well worth reading if you're a fan of either of those franchises because they're well meshed in together and yeah, very think, respectful to both franchises. And I think any of the Frank Miller RoboCop comics yeah. are, are worth reading. And that I think it's those comics that got him hired for writing RoboCop Two, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that then was a terrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> and his role is uh, like. Professor number four or whatever. Yeah. In the back of the screen with a lab coat going, yep. It's not it's not as good as his cameo in, in Sin City, a dame to... Dame to kill for, kill yeah, for where yeah. he's uh, having a drink next to Marv with his huge fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just staring at Jessica Alba's tits. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, it's that's like, his character. Frank, you can stop staring now. Nope. I uh, will not, sir. <laughs> yep, you ruled me out here. I'm going to stay. <laughs> It could be really awkward and it'd be like the green screen and none of them are all in the same set at the same time. <laughs> which may be the case, which would be really weird. They did Game of Thrones licensed comics, but I haven't read them. Yeah, they have. It's like it's more of like a, an original take on it as opposed to being an adaptation of the show, which is why all the which if if you do see it, the designs are all a little bit weird from what you've um we can probably imagine based yeah. off the series. Oh yeah, it's a lot more like um I'd say it's got a lot more of like a Dragon Age look to it. Like there's a lot, like, pool, there's like huge pauldrons and like the shoulders and stuff. And pretty uh, sure EA were involved in putting out a Dragon Age comic at one point yeah. as well. Well, there's Gears of War comic books as well. I think yeah, that, but that one was reasonably successful. I think like that one was really hard to kind of fuck up Gears of War. And it's it's, not really it's one of the it. things that like some anything that's a big franchise now has like a huge multimedia output, yeah. and so it is understandably hard to like. I think the first thing for a licensed comic is. If you're interested in the license, that's the first place to start, and then, like, check out other stuff that the artist and writer have done, and if they seem to have a pretty good track record, it's probably worth reading. Yeah, that's a good summation of why you should read. <laughs> what you should read when it comes to licensed comics. Yeah, I mean, don't don't dismiss them out of hand. There are still some crap ones, but there are crap non-licensed comics as well. Yeah. Okay, I, I think crap comics. <laughs> <laughs> I think that like pretty much covers everything we need to talk about with licensed comics. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to address? No, not with licensed comic books. I think that's uh, pretty much it. We've mentioned uh, why not really respected, but yeah, basically, 
Licensed comics can be good and bad, just like everything. <laughs> That's uh, that sounds like a total cop out. What we're we're saying is licensed comics are are like often awesome, but obviously they're like everything else, not always. Yeah. So be you know, show yeah. some discretion when you buy them. Basically, <laughs> is there any uh, society business we need to cover? Or well, um, obviously, I'm not sure when it's come out, but we've got uh, a viewing of Chappie. Next week, a oh, week yeah. after. I forgot we were doing that. I'm excited yeah. to see Chappie. It's, yeah, hopefully it's going to be good. Um, we're going to, you know, we're preparing uh, for the superhero film where a robot goes crazy by watching a science fiction film where a robot <laughs> goes crazy. Um, the week after that, we'll have the final bowling um, bowling event of the year, of the uh, semester, in fact. And that will be deciding who wins the prizes. Prizes being uh, best male, best female, um, high score wise, that is. Um, highest score without having played all the games, and best single game is yeah that? best single game I think we're gonna do and or well, maybe highest average it depends on how it happens but yeah well uh, either highest single game or highest average score um, across all the games and worst <laughs> <laughs> who will win a wooden spoon. worst person yeah just, just worst <laughs> golly Eve. um. Yeah, and other than that, um, and and if you win worst, you may never come back. Yeah, you gotta look at leave. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, uh, we've still got the Otley Run coming up. Um, at some point, we'll be having a uh, costuming thing, a costuming event where we help people make the costumes. So if you haven't chosen your character, you could do that, and that would be you should do that. You should do that soon. <laughs> Unless someone will steal your character, you'll not have one. You'll and then they'll go. kick you in the face. Yeah, with, with your own favourite character's shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, that's all I've got to say for society-wise. So, yeah, hope to see you guys there. Cool. Uh, goodbye.